You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. I want to talk to you today about disappointment. So I know a lot about disappointment. And I will show this video next week. So come back. But we're going to talk about dealing with life's disappointments. And I'm not going to share with you all of my life's disappointments. If you know me, you know that I've experienced some disappointments. Uh, Sometimes our disappointments are just expectations that we had, that we thought things were going to be better, bigger, easier. Um, Maybe we thought that we were going to uh, reach a certain age, have more money, do better the boss or the president of the company or uh, doing all these things better. And uh, we look back on our life and we see that uh, it hasn't exactly turned out the way that we thought. But the way that we live shows our faith in Christ. So the way that we choose to respond to the situation that we're in shows who we are in Christ and what we believe about Christ. I have to uh, let you know that when I came here all those years ago to start this church, I thought it was going to be easier. I thought I would just show up and spin off or make you know duplicates of the last two churches that I came from, which were uh, the biggest, best churches in their community, uh, make a huge difference. And so God hasn't provided uh, the money or the people or all those things that those churches, which happened to be both over 100 years old, had. But God has done amazing things. We've baptized many people. I still communicate with people who moved away, who uh, owe their their first Christian experience, their discipleship to our church. And um, so part of it's been difficult, but some of you have stuck stuck around the whole time and you've been faithful. And maybe you too are a little disappointed that we don't have a church building, that uh, we're not uh, making as big of a difference as we we, uh, hoped or could be. But Uh, It's not over yet, and we should keep praying and moving forward. Interesting story, an ancient Chinese story of an old farmer who had an old horse for tilling his fields. One day the horse escaped into the hills, and when all the farmer's neighbors sympathized with the old man over his bad luck, the farmer replied, bad luck, good luck, who knows? A week later, the horse returned with a herd of wild horses from the hills, and this time the neighbors congratulated the farmer on his good luck. His reply was, good luck? Bad luck? Who knows? Then when the farmer's son was attempting to tame one of the wild horses, he fell off its back and broke his leg. Everyone thought this was very bad luck. Not the farmer, whose only reaction was, bad luck? Good luck? Who knows? Some weeks later, the army marched into the village and conscripted every able-bodied youth they found there. When they saw the farmer's son with his broken leg, they let him off. Now, was that good luck? Bad luck? Who knows? And the story continues, uh, depending on who you read it from, but uh, luck. Some time ago, Christian therapist Wayne Oates wrote a book entitled Luck, a Secular Faith, in which he claimed that modern people no longer believe in a purposeful, intervening, directing God. What we believe in is luck. And so he writes about that. But I don't believe in luck. I believe that the Lord can bless us, the Lord can use us, based on our faithfulness, uh, sometimes it's our choice, Uh, God often calls the least likely to be the most successful, like Moses was kind of least likely to be successful, and God used him. And so when we think about that, I wanted to look at Psalm 42 and just talk for a little bit about how do we deal with life disappointments. 
and then one of the biggest disappointments or a life full of disappointments leads to depression and I wanted to talk about that next week because a lot of people suffer with depression. So I'm going to look at Psalm 42 and you'll see in your Bible that it says it's written by the sons of Korah. And if you look up who Korah was, uh, Korah wasn't a good guy. Korah was a Levite who led a rebellion, got 250 others to uh, rebel against Moses and Aaron. You can read that in Numbers 16. God got upset. The earth swallowed them and their families. And I thought to myself, if the earth swallowed their families, how could there be sons? But maybe there were young sons that were spared because the sons of Korah continue on. Uh, in Numbers 26, you see about the sons of Korah. And the prophet Samuel was actually of the line of uh, the sons of Korah. So anyway, what I saw in even the beginning of that is that Korah made a really bad choice, did a bad thing, uh, rose up in rebellion against what God was doing, made God unhappy. Many people died as a result of this whole rebellion they started. Yet, the sons were able to continue on and be used of God, to worship God. Uh, Samuel was a great prophet, greatly used of God, and he is from that line. And so sometimes when people in our lives do things that are disappointing, um, we still can move on. We are not what our parents did. We are not uh, even often the result of our choices in the past. When the Lord forgives us, we can move on. Uh, maybe your uh, relationship, your marriage relationship failed and you're moving forward. Maybe you uh, did something sinful in the past and you've been forgiven and it's been taken care of and you're moving forward. You are not the person that you used to be in Christ, and you can move forward. But many things in life are disappointing. Many things in life don't turn out the way we think. Many things in life uh, actually turn out better than we thought in the way that God worked. When we thought we wanted this, turns out we had this. Maybe we wanted to be the star of the show, and it turns out more we had a supporting role. Uh, it turns out that God used us to do great things. You know, one of the great things about us not being a really, really big church is that God has been able to uh, use whoever volunteered to do certain ministries. Now, I went to a really, really large church in the past, and you had to audition to be part of the worship team. And here, some of the kids get started leading worship, and then it's a musical talent that lasts them the rest of their life, and they're able to serve and get involved in church, and so... Uh, smaller churches are actually good at raising up people for leadership, for future leadership. So it all depends on how you look at things, whether it's a disappointment or a blessing. It's not good luck. It's not bad luck. But it is uh, God at work when we are faithful. So Psalm 42.5, um, and number one, uh, disappointed when you are far away. So nobody really knows um, why this person is so discouraged. They appear to be far away from home. So Psalm 42, 5, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. So the psalmist's despair was likely due in part that he was far from home. So the three geographic landmarks he mentioned identify his location as being close to the Jordan River, uh, Mount Hermon, Mount Mizar. Uh, reaching 9,000 feet high, Mount Hermon was the tallest peak in a range of mountains where the Jordan River has its source. 
and then the other mountain was also out there. But it appears the psalmist was approximately 150 miles from Jerusalem, which for him would be like a journey of five to seven days. So he was far from home, far from God's people, far from God's temple. But he decided instead of focusing on how far he felt away, to focus on God and how uh, holy and perfect and pure God was. So many people find themselves far from home due to necessity of circumstances, college students, military personnel, missionaries, um, people who are away from home for a long time. Employment requires others to leave family and friends behind, and refugees are forced from their homeland. And sometimes we're far away from God. So sometimes it's not a distance thing, it's a where are we uh, that leads to disappointment. So sometimes we're pursuing God, and then we get distracted, we fall off. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's sports, sometimes it's cars, sometimes it's possessions. Sometimes you just want that job so bad that you decide to skip church, you're just going to work every Sunday morning and not pursue God, and you wish that you could get back to that. You know it's important, but you don't. And then you're disappointed with the way that your life turns out. You're disappointed that you are far from home, far from God. You are disappointed when you are far away. And to come back to God, to do all that you can to pursue that relationship with Him, to move near, to draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So number two, disappointed when life overwhelms you. So in another version, it talks about deep calling to deep, but the idea here is the waves are crashing back and forth, and whoever wrote the psalm almost feels like they're drowning in the, in the water and the, the noise. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. So he feels overwhelmed. He feels like he's drowning. He feels so disappointed with the way everything's going, and he tries to reach out and call out to God. He feels that it just gets over. You can't even hear it because of the waves going back and forth, the surging tides sweeping over him. So instead of drowning in despair, he remembers about the Lord's unfailing love. He thinks about how much God loves him. And this talks about, through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Prayer is talking to God, and you should talk to God about your disappointments and how you feel about things. And sometimes when you're so disappointed and so sad, there's a lot of Christian music that can pull you back. And you should have a playlist of Christian music that, that encourages you and helps you. So there's, uh, I like different music services. Uh, I primarily like Spotify. Uh, actually, that's the way that our church audio is most listened to also is on Spotify. Uh, I didn't know that until recently, but I like it because each, I'm not sure what day it is, but once a week they give me like a suggestion of like 30 songs. Some are new, some are old, and then I listen to them, and then I usually like, you know, two or three of them, but uh, I'm constantly finding new, encouraging Christian music because they're suggesting stuff I've never heard of before, and uh, then it becomes part of my playlist. But playlists can help encourage you to help you grow in the Lord, to help you to mature, to help keep you close to Christ. God uses songs. Praying is talking to God. When life overwhelms you, cry out to God. Don't give up hope. Remember God loves you. And sing back to Him. Singing, uh, all of us can sing. We may not sound like the people on the radio, but the Bible says to make a joyful noise. So pursue God uh, in songs. Pray to God. Uh, no one, I don't know who wrote this. It's anonymous, but it says, you cannot prevent the birds of sorrow from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building nests in your hair. And we need to not let sorrow 
destroy us, to pull us down. We need to keep pursuing God. There's sometimes in life where it's so hard, where it's so difficult, the loss of a child, the loss of a job, uh, the loss of a family member, um, the loss of your health, the loss of your hair. Um, all these things can just make you so sad and despair, but keep pursuing God and know that you have a purpose and that God loves you. And no matter what you've done or where you've been, there's hope for your future and there is still time left. You know, some of the most significant parts of a football game are like the last two minutes or the la- even the last 30 seconds. So much can happen at the very end. And if you are, you know, somewhere towards the end of your game of life, there's still so much time. Think about what could you do? How could you make a difference? I don't remember the exact quote, but it said something about, um, about old men who plant trees that they'll never see grow uh, for the future generations. And, you know, think about that. Think about how you can invest your life in future generations and what you can do now. You're never too old to serve the Lord. Even if you're bedridden and you can't get out of bed, you can have a strong and a great prayer ministry. All right, number three, disappointed when you feel God has forgotten you. When God, when you feel God has forgotten you. You ever feel that way? Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, ah, I'm so on fire for the Lord. I'm like, woo, I'm so excited for this day to serve the Lord. And other days I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't even think God knows I exist anymore. And sometimes it's me. Sometimes I'm overtired. And sometimes I think it's a spiritual battle. Sometimes I just dread everything. And so don't necessarily know what causes those feelings. But when you feel disappointed, when you feel that God has forgotten you, uh, Psalm 42, 9 through 10. Oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? And so for me, I mean, sometimes people say that to my face, you know, how can you believe in God? You know, it's a big fairy tale. You can't believe in the Bible. But a lot of times, I'd say it's more the accusations of the inner voice inside my head. And so... Um, Stephen Furtick wrote a book called Crash the Chatterbox. And I always give disclaimers like, um, I like the book, don't like everything about Stephen Furtick and everything he's ever written, but it's a good book. And some of his books are really good. And that's a good one and encourage me. But to focus on that God loves you, God cares for you, silence that inner voice with the truths of God's word. A, remain convinced that nothing will keep you from God's love. Um, Romans 8, 35 through, I think it's 39, but it talks about that nothing can separate us from God's love. So can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean He no longer loves us? If we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death, as the Scriptures say, for your death we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or above, as in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will, be, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we need to, to read that, to even memorize it and to to remember that if we are in Christ because we asked the Lord to forgive us of our sin and come into our life and save us, and He promised that He would, that we'd be born again, a new creation, a child of God, assured of heaven, 
Uh, the Holy Spirit comes to us. We need to yield our lives to the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit. But we have the Holy Spirit in us. and We need to be guided and directed and led by the Holy Spirit. And as we're walking in that, we can know that God is not going to leave us. We might go through difficulties and hard times. We might not know where our next meal is coming from or where we're getting our next paycheck from, but He's not going to leave us. And we should trust and cry out and call out to God to answer our needs in those hard times. And as Christ followers, we should help if we can when we see uh, those types of needs happening. I actually saw someone that uh, comes to this church sometimes and uh, saw him at the grocery store. Saw a lot, I see a lot of people at the grocery store, actually. And uh, so uh, she said, oh, what are you getting? And I said, you know, this healthy thing, this healthy thing, and some ice cream cones. <clears throat> and I'm like, what are you getting? She's like, oh, I'm just here for bread and water. I'm like, oh, finance is so bad, that's all you got. And I'm reaching for my wallet. I said, do you need some help? She's like, no, no, I'm fine. I just need bread and water. I was concerned. That's all I could afford. I'm like, ah, let me help. But I just felt so guilty. It's like, here, have my ice cream cones. I definitely don't need them. But nonetheless, remain convinced. B, remember God can use trouble to transform us. So the troubles that we have, the difficulties we have, God can use that to make us better, to make us stronger, to make us more sympathetic, to make us so that we can help others. So sometimes when we go through difficulty, sometimes when we're lonely, sometimes when we're discouraged because of our own choices, sometimes when we're discouraged because of other people's choices, God can use that. Romans 5.3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. So when you feel, being, when you're pushed down and you get back, you, you develop strength. When you are walking around under the weight of burdens and troubles in faith, you are getting stronger. And God can use that strength to help you even more. God can use you. God can use trouble to transform us. C, recall some of the examples of how God treated disappointed people in the past. God has given us the Old Testament and the New Testament to show us how He treats people, to show us how we should live, to show us, to teach us about Him. So, Elijah. Okay, so Elijah in, in 1 Kings, uh, God uses him to call out the prophets of Baal and um, he like even builds a fire and tells the prophets of Baal, you know, let's see you guys called on fire. They can't. Elijah does. And then uh, chases off the prophets of Baal, kills them. Everything's, he's like mightily being used of God. He's like the, the superhero in the story. Everything's perfect. Everything's awesome. And then Jezebel is like, I'm going to kill you. And so 1 Kings 19.3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. Had food for him. And I think that sometimes we're disappointed because we've been doing so much and things have been going so well for the Lord. There's like a spiritual battle there. There's a disappointment. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit and then we just like wear out. And sometimes our disappointment is caused by the fact that God has been using us or we've been serving the Lord and we've been in the battle and now we're just worn out. And he was so worn out that he's like, oh, just, just take my life. But if you continue to read about Elijah, uh, his the way that he served God and the way that God loved him was huge. 
uh, you should read more about Elijah. Number two, disappointed when disappointed Paul when all uh, was uh, deemed or seemed when everything seemed lost. So Paul's on a ship and he's a prisoner and everything's falling apart and he had made some suggestions. An angel of the Lord is helping him to discern what's going on, but uh, he is giving hope. So it's disappointed that he's about to be on a ship that's going to crash and all these different things. The prisoners are about to all be killed, but he had faith and we need to have faith like that too. So when we're in disappointment, sometimes God can use us to encourage others who are also discouraged. Acts 27, 23, for last night, an angel of the Lord to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me, Paul says, and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar, which was where he was headed. So he's not going to die in a shipwreck. He's not going to be killed as one of the prisoners. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you, so take courage, for I believe God it will be just as he said. So sometimes in our, in our disappointment and despair, we need to look around and see how we can encourage others. And sometimes God's word and the Holy Spirit and maybe even angels will help us to encourage others even when we feel disappointed. Don't let your feelings uh, drown you, get you down. Number three, disappointed when disappointed John when he was banished on the Isle of Patmos. So here, John wants to serve Jesus. He was one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. And he's doing all that he can. And all of a sudden, he's deserted to a desert island. And he's probably like, what's up with this, God? But God had a plan on that island. Revelation 1, 1 through 2. He writes, John writes, this is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants at the events that soon must take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that's how the book of Revelation starts. And so God needed to get John away from everything all by himself so he could teach him and show him and greatly use him. Maybe sometimes your disappointment, you think that you're losing, but God knows you're winning because he's got you in a place where it's kind of difficult It's kind of quiet, it's kind of lonely, but God is speaking to you, God is using you, God is training you, and God is preparing you for the next thing. So don't let that disappointment, when you feel lonely and when you feel that God's put you on the shelf, don't think that that's the end of something. Know that that might be just preparation for what's coming next. Number four, disappointed Jonah and the belly of the fish. We all know the story of Jonah and that he was supposed to go to Nineveh, but he went the opposite direction to Tarshish because he hated the people of Nineveh and he wanted God to destroy them. He definitely didn't want to be running around telling them to repent. So you can read in the book of Jonah about Jonah's uh, forced obedience. Uh, He's in the belly of the great fish. That had, had to stink. But he writes, As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise that will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord. And you might have tried to run from God and he's trying to get you back and you're suffering disappointment now, but know that you can come back, that you can pursue God, that you can repent of that and decide to go God's way. It's so much easier when you're walking in the will of the Lord instead of against the will of the Lord. Uh, Jonah was disappointed because of the choices that he made and that God came after him. Love the story of Jonah. Uh, One more, uh, two more. Disappointed Joshua, flat on his face in defeat. So Joshua was, he followed in the steps of Moses and he was doing great things for God. But for some reason, they thought they would go out to battle and have victory and then they got defeated. And it's like, where's God's mighty hand? Where's, Where's our help? 
And so things weren't working out because it turned out that there was sin, uh, that's, there was sin in the camp, that um, God's telling Joshua, who's Joshua 7, uh, is on his face, and he's praying to God, God, where are you? Everybody's going to talk about us now, that you, that you abandoned us. And he's, he's pouting, he's crying out to God. And God's like, get up. So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. That is why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. So, their sin. Uh, Joshua is crying out to God, and God's like, will you get up? Come on, take some action here. Go take care of this. I'm not going to do anything until you do this. And sometimes God wants you to fix the thing that's causing disappointment. You need to look at whatever it is that's causing the sin, that's causing uh, God to not bless you and to change that, or to move in your family to change that, or at your workplace, or in your business place. If there's something going on, sometimes God calls you to take action and make a difference And then the last one for this is disappointed Samson, captive in grinding grain in prison. So you know the story about Samson and Delilah. He was so weak-willed when he came to that woman, but he sure was strong when it came to other things. Judges 16, 19, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap, and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair, and this way she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistine captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. So he is, his hair started to grow back and everything, and he was getting his strength back. And so here he is totally disappointed because of the things that he did. He was told not to do these things. He, how many times could this woman trick him? I mean, he did it, she did it repeatedly. I mean, he was not the brightest guy. So, nonetheless, uh, he was God's servant. And so when he's in captivity, he prays that God would give him the strength to destroy his enemies. And so he pushed down the pillars, literally brought down the house. He died in the midst of that, but uh, so did a lot of the Philistines. So, sometimes when we make poor choices and we're suffering, it is the most painful because we know it's totally our fault. We totally did this to ourselves. And we cry out to God, and God can still help. God can still use us. God can help us to find victory in the midst of disappointment. So, um, number four, disappointed when, you're, uh, when you won't keep putting hope, your hope in God's Word. So, we need to keep putting our hope in God's Word. We need to keep pursuing God and His will, or we will be disappointed with the results. Again, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. And I'm going to stop here and start again next week in the same place when we talk about disappointment and depression. But William Shakespeare said, the miserable have no other medicine but only hope. And we need to have hope in the Lord. I'm going to pass a couple uh, slides here that I'll use next week. I want to recommend a book that I've been uh, reading um, it's called What If uh, by Chuck Swindoll just came out. What if God has other plans? And the book jacket says, what do you do when life throws you the unexpected? At some point in all our lives, we will be given a script we never would have chosen. Where do you turn? 
How do you cope? This book helps you to see how God can be working through those times when life doesn't follow your carefully laid plans. The future has never seemed so uncertain as in recent days. Chuck teaches biblical wisdom that can address how to respond to some of the most unforeseen circumstances. What if you suddenly lose everything? What if a longtime friend deceives you? What if you need a second chance? Find hope when life throws you the unexpected. And the absolute best chapter of the book is the very last chapter that talks about how we all need to have faith in Christ. And anyway, I want to suggest that book. I've been listening to it on audio, and it's really good. So, uh, so next week, Conquering Depression, and I'll just start where I left off there. But let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you give us a new day, that you give us a new, mor- a new morning. Your mercies are new every morning, and you give us an opportunity to, uh, to express our regret for the past sins and to look forward to you for uh, new hope, for forgiveness, and for the opportunity to be used by you. I pray that you would empower us. I pray that you would show us steps that we can take to avoid disappointment. And when we do find disappointment, whether it's our fault or someone else's, Lord, that we wouldn't just place the blame on somebody, but we'd take responsibility and we would pursue you, uh, live in you, walk in you, and serve you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. always humbles me to think that all around the world there's Christians, Christ followers, having communion. Uh, Seeing that persecuted churches are growing so much, like the church in China and the church in Iran, uh, they try to keep it down, they try to get rid of it, and it keeps growing, and all those Christ followers that speak all those different languages all around the world, coming to Jesus, following Jesus, having communion, and we are commanded to have communion. So we're to remember what Christ has done. And I just love communion because it's a chance for us to put our lives on pause and take a look at what's going on and see if there's any sin in our life we need to confess, see if we're on track, see if we're still pursuing the Lord, see if there's any idols in our life that are keeping us from pursuing Christ in the way that we should. And maybe it's a great time to ask forgiveness for sin, uh, to repent of that, to make a change, to recommit to following Jesus and praising Him for all that He's done in the past and all He's going to do in the future. So never let communion become boring because it's the same thing over and over again. Uh, Some churches have communion every Sunday. We usually do it the first Sunday of the month. But Paul wrote, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord Himself. On the night He was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then He broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And you're welcome to take communion with us if you are a Christ follower. The Bible talks about being born again uh, by placing your faith in Jesus, acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, A good way to come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ is to admit that you're a sinner and that Jesus died for sins and pray something like, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me. Make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you. And so it's not the words, it's the heart intent. It's the desire to follow Christ. Uh, you don't even have to speak the words, uh, but you do need to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, according to the book of Romans. But nonetheless, we celebrate communion. You're welcome to take communion with us. We are remembering what Christ has done. So as uh, the uh, bread comes around, uh, hold it and we'll take it together. Some music will play. I'll come back up and pray. Let's pray. Jesus, you have given us life. You've caused us to live in this place, in this day and age. You've given us so many opportunities and so many resources to follow you and to serve you. Lord, you took our sin on the cross, suffered uh, for us so that we could be saved, so that we could know you, so that we could have a relationship with you and be assured of eternity walking in your presence. So Lord, help us 
to live lives that honor you. Help us to live lives of significance uh, through your power, Lord. Help us to change the world. Jesus, we take this and we eat. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And we have this great opportunity to proclaim Jesus to others so that they too may be saved. I will come back up and talk in a minute. So uh, take the cup, hold it. Uh, The music will play. Maybe this is a great time to pray and thank the Lord for what he's doing in your life. And I will be back up in a minute to uh, pray. All right, so... When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for our sin, he was the ultimate sacrifice, and no other sacrifice is needed. So we look back to that 2,000 years ago, and that salvation is effective for us today. And for those who we share Christ with, they too may be saved through the power and the shedding of Jesus' blood. And we remember that by taking this cup. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you shed your blood on the cross for us, the ultimate sacrifice so that our sins can be covered and atoned for, and that we could know you as our Lord and Savior and be able to live in you, to grow in you, and to accomplish your purpose, which is to make disciples, teaching them to obey you, turning the world from sin towards you so that they may be saved. And Lord, what a great opportunity and what a great future we have in you. We take this, we drink. Amen. Thanks for listening. We invite you to visit River Rock Church 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find resources to help you grow in your faith, give online to support this ministry, and share your prayer requests with us at riverrockchurch.com. May God bless you. Share Jesus with others this week.